0: But praise the Lord, I thank God for my salvation. I thank God for the opportunity to be here and uh, just the privilege really to be able to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? I see a lot of familiar faces and I see some new faces, amen? So uh, it's good to see each and every one of you. If you're fairly new to the heart of the bay, I want to tell you you're in the right place at the right time. Just give God some time in your life. And he got something special for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, my wife couldn't make it tonight. Sister Gina, the finest girl in the outreach. Are you recording that? Make sure you record that and put it on podcast. Amen. Tag my wife if you can. But I love my wife. We've been married 24 years strong. Come on, somebody. We'll be celebrating 25 next year. And so we're. Literally growing old together, but praise God. But it's good to see all my friends, Pastor Greg and Debbie. We're so glad Debbie's coming back strong, getting through what she went through. Amen. Pastor Tobe and Bev, and man, I got to address these men as pastors now. Hallelujah. Praise God. I remember when they were in the home. Not just kidding. <laughs> but man, these men have been faithful and they rose up to their calling and it's just a joy to see you guys just boom running right alongside pastor stevon in the church here amen and then all the rest of you it's so good to see everyone growing up praise god i see some of the young girls they were like little girls when i left and then all of a sudden they're like boom i'm like wow how old are you 27 i'm like, 27. <laughs> You married? Not yet. What are you waiting for? Come on. How many know Pastor Adam? Tell it like it is. Come on. You got to get married. I was talking to a young guy today. When we were having our food challenge, and he says, "I, I think he was 27." And I'm like, "You ain't got kids yet?" He goes, "No." And I go, "Like, what are you waiting for? We're waiting." I don't know what this generation <laughs> waits for. <laughs> Praise God, I had a honeymoon baby. Come on, somebody. No, nah, we did it. I, th- I think it was a few months after that. Hallelujah. They're <laughs> like, what are we waiting for? Jesus is coming back. Pastor Steph, I didn't wake Come on, somebody. He caught up with me. He got four kids already. I'm like, dude, it took me a while to get four out. Praise, No, well, not me, but you know. <laughs> pastors, I'm, like, I'm like, man, Pastor Steph on the boy. They got the vision. Come on, somebody. This young couple's got to, you know. Anyway, let me move on. Praise God. Y'all ready for the word tonight? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. But I'm just grateful tonight. I thank God for the heart of the bay and for our vision and for our ministry and all of us together moving forward. Amen? Praise God. I'm going to speak tonight out of the Gospel of John, Chapter 12. The Gospel of John, Chapter 12. And I believe I have a word from the Lord tonight this, throughout the service. I've been really feeling the Lord confirming this message tonight. And we are in Passion Week. Tomorrow is Good Friday. And by the way, if you weren't planning to go to Good Friday, you should plan to come. If your pastor's going to be here, just throw this out. He didn't tell me to do this. But, but again, this is our weekend. This is our time. And I believe God has something special for you tomorrow night. Amen. Even us in Antioch, we have our midweek on Wednesday. and we, we, we planned another service on Good Friday. Come on, somebody. We added a service in the week because we feel it's important for our people and our faith. Amen. So praise God. This is our weekend to really get stirred up in our faith and really, really appreciate what God has done for us. So praise the Lord. John chapter 12 and verse... 12 will be taken off here. Let's read verse 12. The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying out Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Even the king of Israel and Jesus when he, was caught, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The world has gone after him. I want to speak to you tonight on the title of Heart of Faith. like that title, right? <laughs> I threw that in, hallelujah. Heart of Faith. Heart of Faith. What can we learn about faith from the triumphal entry in the passage we just read? Would you say you have fresh faith tonight? Strong faith? If I were to get you into a private room and say, how is your faith really? Would it be strong? Or possibly would it be stale? A little bit weak? A little bit weary maybe? How does mine and your faith look? If we can see our faith How does it look? Especially in challenging times, how does it look? Do we have mature faith? Is it mature? Is it seasoned? Is it faith that is is effective maybe? Do we have miracle-working faith? Think about it. How is the condition of our faith? When we compare our faith to others' faith, like Pastor Stavon got big faith. Come on, somebody. I remember he took his drama team to South Africa, and the first thing that came out of my mouth, that man got faith. I'm like, Who does that, Pastor Stavon? Faith. When we compare it to others, how does it look? Har the Bay, how is your faith? Now, we're coming up on the NBA finals. Any basketball players in the house? If you ain't into basketball by now, what's the matter with you? Like, everybody's the basketball. The Golden State Warriors. Come on, somebody. Are they going to win it this year? I, I, come on. Are they really going to win? Of course they're going to win. But let me ask you this. When you think about Stephen Curry, right? When you think about the greatest three-pointer in the world, right? Little guy on the court, comparison to everyone else. But every time he shoots, what does he do? How many points is it? What do they do? Three points. When you think about him, What does it make you think, or what does it make you want to do? If you're like me, possibly, it makes me want to shoot three-pointers. I'm like, I want to be like Steph Curry when I grow up. (laughs) Come on, somebody. I want handles like him. Come on, somebody. It makes me want to go back in the days. Someone said, do you dance? And I told Pastor Toby, I know how to pop. Come on, somebody. But Three points. How many you should shoot three-pointers? Anybody in three-pointers out there? I got one guy in the back. Praise God. That ain't Vince, is it? (laughs) I challenge you to a three-point contest. Amen. I know you played baseball, but I know you can shoot a three-pointer. Praise God. Let me ask you this. Heart of faith. When you think about Mark Zuckerberg, right? Who's Mark Zuckerberg? Any Facebook accounts in the house? Come on, raise your hand. You're in church. We know you're on, you might be on Facebook right now. Turn off that phone. When we think about Mark Zuckerberg, what do we think about? What do we think about? Anybody? You could talk right now. huh? Money, money, that's what I I feel you. That's what I think about, money. I'm like, Mark Zuckerberg, that boy got money. If he would just give a little bit to the outreach. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Woo, just buy us a building, praise God. That's all we need. Thousand-seater, we'll be good. Amen, somebody. (laughs) Think about money. I wish I had that money. What about Pastor Sonny Sr.? Right, our founder of this great movement. When we think about Pastor Sonny, what do we think about? What does it make you think about? What is it, how does it make you feel when you, when you think about your founder? You just had him here recently. How did you feel? Right? After the last amen, what did you want to do? You wanted to go to the streets. You wanted to take the world, right? You're like, man, I want to I I be a part of this thing. See, When we think about certain people, it does things to us. Let me ask you this, heart of faith. What about when you think about Jesus and all he's done for us? Huh? What about when we think about the price he paid, the crucifixion, the death he went through? What does that do to our faith? Does it do anything? Does it cause us to... To want to grow in our faith maybe? Does it cause us to want to be like Jesus? See, here tonight, I want to talk to us about Jesus-style faith. I want to talk to us about having fresh faith that is strong. The triumphal story here, the triumphal entry, it has contrast. And it contains application for me and you. The triumphal story, we can learn a lot about Jesus' style faith. Because you know he had to have faith in the Father to fulfill what he did. You see, faith in Jesus is opposite of what we apply and believe many times. We say we have faith, but then how does that look? We think we have faith, but what does that mean? James chapter 2, verse 18, it says, But someone will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. See, fresh faith is faith in action. Fresh faith is faith in action. You can see it. He would say, I believe, I believe. And I, and I start looking. What, what, what do I see? Show me your faith. A lot of people have faith. I want to see it. See, it's, see to say it is one thing, but to have it is another. And it's not always what we think faith is. For example, let's look at faith for a minute. Bible says, forgive seven times 70. Right? Faith that forgives. Maybe we're here tonight with unforgiveness in our heart. That's stale faith. Faith that's fresh forgives. You can see it. Are you hearing me tonight? You see, what about where the scripture says if someone walks with you one mile, walk two miles with them? Now, how many. 24-hour fitness folks do we have in the house? Come on, somebody. And you run that three-mile treadmill, that five-mile, if you're good. If you do more than five, you're real good. Come on, somebody. But there you are on the treadmill, hot and sweaty and tired, ran a few miles, and then someone taps you on the shoulder and says, run one more. What do you do? My faith is gone, brother. I can't run no more if you paid me, right? See, faith, faith sometimes ain't what we think it is. What about this one? Husbands, Bible says, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Huh? That's faith that loves like Jesus. Huh? In the midst of that argument. Come on, somebody. Where's our faith then, husbands? Husbands say amen. Help me, Jesus. Jesus. To love like you love. Huh? What about this one? Count it as joy when you go through trials. Who does that? Pastor Stavard? come on, somebody. See, that's faith that don't make no sense. I'm going to just praise the Lord right now. Come on, somebody, but I'm going through it. Don't want to smile. Don't want to go to church. Come on, somebody. You want me to be joyous right now? That's the last thing I want to do. You see, faith in action is different. faith The way sometimes we see it, we're like, I got faith. Okay, show it to me. Fresh faith tonight is strong. Fresh faith tonight is mature. Fresh faith is growing and moving. And maturing and doing things. Can somebody say amen? You see, having faith is not about running with power and being on top. It's about the humble road. They thought Jesus was going to come in on a horse with a sword and take over the Roman Empire. But Jesus says, no, I humble myself. I come on a donkey. See, having faith is not what we think sometimes. You see, our faith If it's not willing to sacrifice ourselves for people, for God's people, for the lost, then possibly it's not faith at all. Jesus came to, to give his life. He came to give love, grace, and mercy. He came to sacrifice himself for his people. That was his faith in action. That's how real faith does it. You see, we need humble faith, not prideful faith. Jesus didn't come in, with an army in splendor ready to take people out. He came in lowliness and servanthood ready to serve. Faith in action is not always what we think it is. You see, Jesus didn't come to look good but Jesus came to do good. Came to do good. He came to put his faith in action. Jesus was an example of fresh faith. Jesus came, listen, not to conquer nations, but to conquer hearts and minds. Jesus' faith caused him, listen, to be a soul winner, to be a disciple maker, to be a leader trainer. Jesus' faith caused him to raise up the church, to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus' faith was to win hearts and minds of those that didn't know Jesus. Tonight, if you don't know Jesus, I want you to know our faith is with you and for you. We want to win you to Christ. You see, it's better to have faith in God and obtain permanent peace because that's what God came for rather than search for peace temporarily in this world. Jesus, see, our faith, it's different when you really think about it. Maybe you didn't think about it like that, but I want you to know Jesus wants to build your faith up. Jesus wants to take you from from weak faith to stronger faith, from stronger faith to great faith. Amen? heart of faith heart of faith that changes the world. So tonight, I want to give you three characteristics of faith that I believe God can work in and through our lives that can help you and I change the world. You see, right before I do that, let me mention this. Our faith on Sunday should change how we live on Monday. Our faith on Thursday night should change the way we live on Friday night. Our faith should cause us to change, to walk different, talk different, be different. The heart of faith is to live and honor God and to help change the world. The faith we build in church should change the way we live our life. Are you hearing me tonight? Three types of faith real quick and we're gonna move faster. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I have faith. Fresh faith. Number one, courageous faith. Courageous faith. You see, for Jesus to do the will of God, to enter Jerusalem on that triumphal day, for Jesus to get on that donkey, and for Jesus, to head toward Jerusalem and for Jesus to know I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to kill me. They're going to put me on the cross. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. In order for Jesus to do that, my friend, I want you to know he had to have courageous faith. He had to have a faith that was going to get him to the end of God's will. Bible says crowds followed him in verse 12. Bible says at first they praised him and worshiped him. Bible says he came in to do God's will. You see, Jesus' faith was courageous because he was willing to follow God's will. He was willing to go to the cross all the way, and he could not do that without faith in God's plan. You see, courageous faith will push you forward courageous faith will cause you to be humble and to accept whatever it is God is bringing your way instead of complaining about it. Nowadays, we like to complain about things we go through, but Jesus didn't complain. Why? He had courageous faith. He had faith that was going to get him through it. You see, some of you have been facing different things lately, and you had to stir up your faith. You had to say, no, I got to believe God through this thing. That's Jesus style faith. You see, in other words, if Jesus was going to be able to fulfill God's will, then courageous faith would indeed be needed. Jesus was fulfilling prophecy here. He needed courageous faith. It was said that he would do this. It was said that he would die. And he was fulfilling prophecy. For some of us that got a word from God lately, for some of us, God has called you to be a pastor's wife, to be a pastor, to take a city, to do something great for God. I come to let you know that's prophecy. But if you're going to fulfill it, it's going to take faith. Jesus fulfilled prophecy. Why? Courageous faith. You see, it's one thing to get a word from God, but it's a whole other thing to fulfill that word. You're going to need courageous faith to fulfill God's word in your life. It's going to take more than talk. It's going to take courageous faith. Amen. Another thing happened here is that Jesus had to believe even through discouragement. Anybody been facing discouragement lately? He had to believe through discouragement. You see, the crowds praised him when everything was going well. But when they didn't understand what God was doing, they turned their back on Jesus. They turned their back on him. You see, courageous faith has to believe God even through discouragement. No matter how discouraged you might feel, no matter what might be going on in your life, I come to encourage you tonight, stir up your faith, have courage, God is going to see you through. Praise God through that discouragement. Sing the song again. Get out of that thing. Believe God. Praise him even through discouragement. Jesus had to praise God, continue to move forward even through discouragement. Heart of faith is a heart of courage. A heart that believes God even when it gets rough. Amen. The second thing I see here is that not only did Jesus have courageous faith, but he had mature faith. It takes mature faith to fulfill the will of God. His disciples in verse 16 did not understand these things at first. You see, what we learn here is that earlier when Jesus was discipling them, they didn't understand why Jesus had to go through what he was going through. They didn't get it. They're like, why do I have to go through this? Why do you have to go through this? You see, sometimes immature faith don't get it. You don't understand what you're going through. You don't know why you're going through what you're going through. You feel like giving up, you're, you're confused, you're frustrated, and you just don't understand. But I want you to know, you got to keep believing. You got to keep pressing in. You got to keep coming to church. Ya. You got to keep reading your Bible. You got to keep getting a hold of God, because God wants to mature your faith. See, later they got it. Later they started, oh, okay, it was prophesied. Oh, okay, you said you were going to do that. They started getting it. Why? Their, their faith started growing started maturing. Some of you, God's going to take you from immature faith to mature faith. You got to keep believing. You got to keep pressing in. Amen? Amen. God will reveal it to you. Sometimes in the beginning of discipleship, we don't understand it, but God is trying to teach us something. We need to keep believing and not give up in the process. Amen? Mature faith is on its way. God wants to mature your faith. God wants to take you even to another level, but you got to get through it. Amen. The last thing I want to teach you tonight is miracle faith. You got courageous faith. You got mature faith. and You have miracle faith. Miracle faith is powerful. You see, we see in verse 17 and 18 that it says, the crowds that had been with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. You see, tonight, maybe as the musicians begin to make their way up, we're going to come in for a landing. It's important to have courageous faith. It's important to have mature faith. It's important to show our faith in action. It's important to allow God to grow us in this area of faith. And miracle faith is faith that is experienced by miracles. You see, we have miracle faith, you and I, and I'll tell you why. You might not know you have it, but you you have it. You have it, watch, because because we were like Lazarus. You and I, we were dead in our transgressions. We were blind and lost. We couldn't hear the truth, but now we hear it. Now we see it. Now we feel it. God is doing something with the inside of our life. One day, there was a day on the calendar, my friend, where God called you, Lazarus, come, out of that grave, and he set you free. Come on and give God a hand if you believe that tonight. He pulled us out of that sin. He pulled us out of that grave, and he raised us up again. And it was that miracle that took place in our life that should drive us to believe for someone else. That miracle that we experience should drive us to live our faith out in front of others. You see, we've had a Lazarus experience. And if you didn't, that's what God wants to give you. He wants to call you out of that life of sin. He wants to call you out of that life of bondage. He wants to call you out of that life of depression. He wants to call you out of that life that is leading you nowhere. That life with no purpose. That life with no belonging. God wants to call you out of that life. He wants to give you a Lazarus experience. So that you too can say, look at me. Look at me. I'm a living miracle. Look at me. Look what God done. Look what God did. Look what God brought me out of. Look what God is doing. Look where God is taking me. I am a living miracle. You and I have miracle faith tonight. We have faith because we've experienced the changing power of Jesus Christ. See here tonight when we tell people how Jesus changed our life it should draw it should draw them to having faith in Christ. When we talk about the miracle God has done in our lives it should draw people to want to hear more. When they heard about Lazarus, when they saw Lazarus once again, All of a sudden, people from everywhere started coming. What happened? Lazarus was raised from the dead. I want you to know when you tell people about the miracle God has done in your life, it's going to draw people. So tell them about Easter. Get out there at your job. Give them a flyer and say, listen, God is in the changing life business. You need to come and begin to draw others when you and I live our faith out. When we live our life out loud for Christ, many others will begin to come. When we show people our faith and how we live, people will start wondering, I have faith, but I don't have faith like that. I have faith, but my faith ain't like that. That woman has faith. Her faith is changing her. Her faith is doing something. See, tonight, minding your faith makes an impact in others. The challenge is to have fresh faith. Maybe the devil's been trying to take your faith away lately. Maybe the devil's been hitting you hard and your faith is limited. You used to believe strong, but now you believe weak. You used to walk and change and read your Bible and pray and and seek God's will. You used to be on fire. You used to have a passion about the things of God. But tonight, it's a little weak. It's not fresh. It's not courageous. It's not miracle-working faith. It's not mature faith. Tonight, God wants to... He wants to take your faith to another level. He wants to give us real faith. I close with this verse 19 says so the Pharisees said to one another you see that you are gaining nothing with your faith gaining nothing look the world has gone after him you know what they were saying they were saying our faith is gaining us nothing our faith is stale Our faith is not doing anything. They're not following us like they're following him. They were telling on themselves. They had stale faith that was ineffective. But Jesus had faith that was effective. Jesus' followers had faith that was powerful and strong, courageous, and miracle-working. And so the whole world began to follow them. Listen. Let us not be like the Pharisees. Let us not have faith that does nothing. Let us not have faith that is just religion, dry and stale. But let you and I tonight have a heart of faith. Let you and I tonight say, God, raise my faith up to another level. I'm going through a hard time right now, but I need courage. I'm going through a difficult challenge, God, but I need you to give me courageous faith. I need you to mature my faith. I need you to give me miracle work in faith. Let's all stand.